everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yep, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and to educate those that maybe are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a life with Jesus looks like in 2021. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Spotify, click on the description and you'll find the link to become a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my link tree, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. And you can check out my new website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com, and have a bunch of links there. On today's episode, we have Kiri Price, author, poet, and founder of K Price Ministries. How are you, Kiri? Hey, Samuel. I am tired, but I'm doing well today. How are you? <laughs> that mom life, right? <laughs> For real. For I- real. But at least it's Saturday. I can't imagine, man. I have no family. I'm single. I'm still like, I'm, I'm about to be 25. But when I have a family, I just know it's going to be so hectic all the time. I, I won't be getting any sleep. <laughs> you might at least get some sleep. But kids do really keep you on your toes. And they have a lot more energy than I do. So we're making it. Oh, man. Okay, so well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, recently, you reached out to me and you told me about your book, which is called Sown, um, Rooted in Redemption. Wanted to make sure I was saying that correctly. <laughs> and it's essentially like a collection of poetry. But um, one of the things that I want to talk to uh, about you uh, so I can let my audience know is about your lesbianism and the fact that uh, you were attracted to girls for many years and kind of you had this journey where you had to come out to your mom so can you talk to me a little bit about um, what was the first time that you realized that you had an attraction towards females? I can remember the day. I was 12. I was at my friend's pool party, and I think we were playing Truth or Dare, and one of her friends said that she was bisexual and that um, I was probably bisexual too. And I wanted to fit in with the crowd, but at the same time, I felt I really did have those feelings for girls. Unfortunately, at that same age, right around that same time, I had been exposed to pornography. And um, probably a year or two before that, I had been flashed uh, at a bookstore by a perverted man. Um, And it really started to warp my idea of sexuality and my comfort around boys and girls. led to a lot of confusion. So I was 12 years old when I felt like I was first attracted to girls and boys. Um, I was about 18 when I actually started acting on it and living out that lifestyle. Wow. And at what age were you um, flashed with at the bookstore? I was somewhere between 10 and 12. I don't fully remember. I remember the incident, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard for me to remember what age it was. Man, that's crazy. That's insane. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. So uh, you are having these um, traumatic experiences with men um, and you start kind of feeling attractions to women around 12, but you don't start acting on it until you're around 18 years old, right? Right. 
And did you have any type of relationship with the Lord like during this time? Like, uh, did you know about God? Was your family Christian? Like, where'd you grow up? And so I'm from the East Coast. I was raised in Connecticut, uh, in a really little town, and we were raised Catholic. So I knew about God, I knew about Jesus, I knew the Apostles' Creed and the Our Father and the Hail Mary and everything. I went to catechism until I was probably 15, um, but I lived, a lo- I lived a double life and I didn't know the Lord. So mm-hmm. I was not walking with Jesus, I really didn't have a full understanding of who God was and mm-hmm. why he was important. And um, I'm trying to remember the other part of your question. <laughs> What was the other part? I mean, that pretty much answers my question. <laughs> okay. <though. laughs> I'm not sure what the other yeah. part was either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's that, honestly, that's really interesting. So you, you were raised Catholic, um, but you yeah. didn't have like a sincere connection to God. Um, what did you not like? What did you think about God? Like when you would see that, did it, did it ever like, um, because I know when I was, you know, growing up, uh, I definitely like I had a really good understanding of what God looked like in my life. Um, even when I was a little boy, I used to sing songs about, um, bringing the light into darkness and Christian songs. My parents were always teaching me about Jesus. We watched a bunch of animated Bible cartoons when I was (laughs) younger. So I had this, I like an idea of who Jesus was thanks to all the education that my parents were giving to me. Um, and it was so awesome to grow up actually knowing, oh, you know, Jesus loves me. He holds the whole world in his hands, things like that. Um, But what did you think about God um, when you were growing up? I felt like it was more of a rewards-based relationship that Hmm. when I was good, when I was saying my prayers, when I was doing things right, then I would be okay. I definitely, I didn't have that sort of environment growing up. I was kind of your typical 90s kid, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were raised to be good people. We were raised to have good morals. Uh, I only ever stole one thing. It was a strawberry candy with those little gooey centers from the grocery store. And I lied about it to my mom. And I felt so guilty. And I never did that again. And I was probably eight. And so I was a good kid. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was enough. Yeah. So I definitely did not fully understand why Jesus came, why he was important, why Mm. God sent him. Um, I didn't really know anything about the Holy Spirit. I didn't even really realize that that was a a person. Mm. I didn't know about the Trinity, so to say. For me, religion was, um, this is God. He's up here. He's kind of untouchable. And um, this is Jesus. And he is awesome because on Christmas Mass, it's really fun. And we get to have cupcakes at the end. So... (sighs) There was not anything penetrating for me at all. It was really unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then when you had your um, first experience, like you said that you uh, at 18 decided to experiment with a female. Um, What was that like? Like, did it just um, like somebody just presented themselves or did it slowly happen where you, you know, you had a girlfriend who you're really close with and then you're like, oh, I like her more than this or, you know, how did that, how did that go along? Yeah, it was definitely the latter. I had never dated. I had one boyfriend in high school, and we dated for just a few months. It was nothing serious, nothing crazy. I had always been, like, pining after boys during my preteen years and my teenage years, but I boys were not really interested in me. Um, and so when I met this girl in college, 
we became friends at first and I knew she was a lesbian. Everybody knew she was a lesbian. She knew she was not confused. And uh, she had broken up with her girlfriend and we had started hanging out a lot. And I was kind of in a, like a vulnerable emotional position. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of took advantage of that. I kind of took advantage of her emotional position and figured what the heck. If boys have never liked me all this time, maybe that's because I'm not meant to be with boys. I'm just supposed to live this way. Um, And maybe that's why I've always had all these feelings my whole life is because I'm just supposed to date girls. So why were you uh, feeling so emotional and vulnerable during that time? There was a guy I was hung up on, basically, that crushed my poor little Kiri heart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I talk about this guy in my book, um, I honestly don't really understand why there was such a uh, entanglement, so to say, with this guy, um, because we never even officially dated. Um, But I think in my teenage mind, he was kind of my first love, the Mm -hmm. first person I ever thought I would marry, I would do anything to get a ring from this guy. And uh, when that didn't work out, I was really devastated. And I also realized was really immature. I went to college when I was 17. So I um, also kind of had like the social skills of like a 16 or 15 year old, so to say. I was not at all prepared for what was in college. Um, And this girl that I met, she was also older than me. She was almost two years older than me. Mm. And she had experienced a lot more life than I had. So I think that also kind of played into how I ended up dating this person. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, we have a lot in common because me too. I, wow. I when I was in middle school, if if you hear my whole full testimony, which is up on YouTube, um, I was really, really uh, it, like obsessed with this one guy who was just my friend, and he showed me like um, affection. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like I can see myself like being with mm-hmm. this person. I can see myself spending time with this person, like falling in love with this person. And he was straight, like he had no, uh, apparently what he said, (laughs) he had no interest in me whatsoever. And I was like making up like uh, fantasies in my head and all these things. So uh, we relate definitely. I was like hung up on someone who like just was not interested in me at all. I remember that Um, story in your YouTube. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, Well, that's also something we have in common, which is um, that I also went to college at an early age as well. I started my... conservatory program at 17 years old and when I look back I'm like oh my gosh like I was so young compared to everybody else in the program people were like the age that I am right now yeah and (laughs) I look back at that my parents had never sent me to school I like do not send your 17 year old to college oh man and it was so bad too because I went to a theater school where everyone was so progressive and liberal and Everyone had their own interpretations and opinions of things. And my mind was still developing and I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my identity. Um, and it was so easy for them to be like, oh, you should think this or you should do this. Yeah. or you should. This is the kind of person that you should be. And at 17, I was just like, oh, well, everybody's like that. That must be what the normal is. So, yeah. All right. So and I was you- at a majority girls school. So it was also <gasps> very fairly liberal progressive and the college progressive yeah progressive college town so it was 
a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay, so this girl enters your life. Um, does your family have any problem? Like, did they know about the fact that you um, could possibly have um, uh, female attractions or same-sex no. attractions, I should say? My parents had no clue because um, in all of my preteen journals, it was about Mrs. Curie fill in the blank of the guy I had a crush on that month. So I was always crushing on boys. My parents knew that, oh, like, I, I asked this guy to dance with me at the school dance. And they're like, okay, whatever. Um, they were, they didn't let me date until I was 16. But that was fine anyway, because nobody really wanted to date me. So yeah. they didn't have to worry about that. And did you feel like it was, it was cool for you to be like, um, lesbian? You know, did you feel like, did you have any in, inner conflict to be like, oh, you know, um, same-sex attraction is wrong or anything like that. Because when I was growing up, like, the church was the first one to tell me same-sex attraction is wrong, you know, like. And so when I started having uh, these same-sex attraction feelings towards other guys, I was so conflicted. I was like, um, I, I love God. I want to believe in Him. But at the same time, I'm having these feelings. What was that like for you? Did you have any of those two feelings? You're just like, mm, I like this. <laughs> it was a little bit of both. Um, growing up, Again, I was raised on the East Coast, so I live in the South now, and being raised on one coast versus another are very, very obvious differences. So um, I grew up, I had a friend who whose dad was gay, and he had a partner, and she was my best friend, and so I spent a lot of time with them um, until her dad and her dad's partner broke up, and I remember my dad did not like that. He didn't really like me going over there. But I didn't understand why, because I was in late elementary, late, early middle school. And all I knew was, this is my friend, this is her dad, and that's her dad. And she was adopted, so I knew that they didn't make her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I didn't have any sort of connections. Like, that didn't make any sense to me. Uh, Not that my parents sheltered me. I'm glad that they didn't teach me that, because I didn't understand Um, But at the same time, I had been exposed to pornography, and some of that had been homosexual pornography. So my little mind was super conflicted. My mind Mm. said that adults can do this, but kids cannot. So when you're an adult, it's okay. When you're a kid, it's not, if Mm. that makes sense. And And your family just, your family never talked about it? No, no. And I, I had some family members who are homosexual and I always knew that there was something different about them, but we never really talked about it and we never treated them differently for that. And they were some of my favorite family members. I was super close to them, super attached to them. And so I didn't really, I would say super attached to them. One of them I was more, one of them I was not. Um, And not by any bias, it was just the proximity, so to say. So when I was a teenager, um, in my head, it was... It was, I, it was conflicting because I had somebody in my life who was in the church. It was my first roommate. And so for her sharing the gospel with me, um, that was something that God says you don't really do. And so I was like, well, I know the Catholic church says the same thing, but at the same time, I didn't have any moral conv- convictions in that realm, like sexuality realm. And I didn't have, um, I didn't have this Holy Spirit living in me. So for once I, once I entered that lifestyle, I kept it hidden for 
oh boy, hmm. probably like two months. Well, no, I kept it hidden from my family for like four or five months. I told one cousin that I was dating a girl and she kind of found out because my cover like kind of messed me up. And so uh, she found out probably like two weeks into me dating this girl uh, and nobody else knew really for like four or five months or so. Um, oh, wow. So it was a very, it, that was hard. Cause I knew like my parents were going to be really disappointed mm-hmm. and I felt that confliction. I like, there was a sense of shame because on, in, on campus, I didn't feel ashamed to be with her, but I knew that if I, when we stepped off campus, like when we went to the stores or shopping together, people looked at us. Um, and this was six, seven years ago. And yeah. so it wasn't really that mainstream still. So yeah, I knew that for me to choose this lifestyle, I was going to be, I don't want to say crucified, but I knew I was going to be um, looked down on in a lot of ways. Uh, and then I knew once I told my parents that, then I was really going to be immersed in it. And I was really going to have to put up against that. And it was not going to be easy. That's intense. I mean, I I can only imagine because I, when I was going through all my struggles um, with homosexuality, I was, you know, in middle school and in high school. And this was maybe 2012, 2013, 2014, you know, like around there. Um, so I guess, yeah, seven, seven years ago, something like that. Um, and it was such a different time than it is today. Like today, you know, homosexuality and being gay is so cool. Like, you know, you, you look at magazines and you see straight men who want to be like gay men. You know, we see like the bad bunnies and we see like all these other guys painting their fingernails, putting on the makeup, you know, like feminizing themselves. And it's like, okay, now it's cool, but if you would have done that seven years ago, like you would have cool. been kicked out of the mainstream um, in, in just the music industry. Like everyone would have been laughing at you. Everyone would have been making fun of you. So it was a totally mm-hmm. different time. So I totally understand that like persecution that it was, you know, to find someone of same sex attraction and then want to be in a relationship with them and just think, oh my God, everyone's going to judge me. Everyone's going to like say something about me. And a lot of people, you know, uh, a lot of people are not going to experience that today because, um, which is a good thing because I think like, you know, if people want to explore their sexuality, like I, I obviously I'm not in agreement with that. Like I believe that someone should be in a relationship with, um, of not of the same sex, but of the opposite sex. If you're going to have a relationship at all, I really think the priority is Jesus at all times, every single time, you know, um, marriage is, is only supposed to help us for our mission and our vision and our goals. Um, but I do believe that like, you know, people, if they want to explore that, let them explore that without having fear that someone's going to hurt them or someone is going to, you know, make them feel bad or anything like that. Um, we need to learn how to, um, just let people have their own privacy in their own space, you know? Yeah. It's hard because it's like every, it's, what's really interesting to me is that it's like everybody wants to share that. Whereas seven plus years ago, that I mean, being in the closet, you were in the closet for a reason because the world didn't want to know what you were doing. The world didn't want to know what you were interested in. Um, And now it's like so pushed that like, oh, I want to know who you're dating, what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And for me, that's really odd. Um, And that was kind of a barrier to work through because for six years of my life, I was looking at girl porn in the basement 
when mm. nobody was looking uh, and nobody knew for ever until I probably got married and confessed that when I was like seeking to get baptized. Um, wow. Nobody ever knew that. I don't even think my parents knew that. Mm. And now it's completely different and it is very mainstream. It's very cool. Um, but at the same time, I do recognize even as a Christian that um, I can't force that on people, especially if they don't have a relationship with the Lord. There's no reason for them to stand to a certain moral code. Yeah. Because that moral code comes from Christ and exactly. from Christian religion. So if yeah. you don't believe it, then you have no reason to do those things. And who am I to tell you to stop? You know, yeah. I wish you wouldn't. I don't <laughs> want you to. I'll still be your friend. Um, but I know that the Lord has better for you than that. Yeah. You want to tell them, you know, like I, I think for me, it's sometimes Christians are so pushy. It's like you have to do this or I have to tell you how to behave or I have to tell you, you know, it's like we want to do the job of the Holy Spirit. And um, we just can't do that. That's the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit's job is the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Obviously, you want to be able to tell the person, hey, you know, there are better options for you, you know, all these different things. But you have to you have to build relationship with someone. You have to build Absolutely. rapport with someone. Um, so I, I'm glad, you know, people have the, the freedom to explore the things that maybe before they would not explore because they were going to explore it anyways at the end of the yeah. day, but they were going to do it hidden. You know, yeah. it's better now for people to explore these things publicly where people can see them instead of have to do it hiding, you know, hiding in a corner where they'll never talk about it. They'll never confess about it. They'll never go through the experiences. They'll think fantasies and they'll just get stuck in their head. They'll get stuck in their mind, you know? Yeah. And it so, builds a lot of shame. And yeah. I think for me, like, especially being saved and coming out of that lifestyle, I, I feel like I am still struggling with the tail end of all that guilt and shame um just knowing how long i hit it how long i had been in it before i ever said anything mm -hmm. uh, and that was really the hardest part for me like that shame is killer and satan thrives on that like i feel like satan thrives on you feeling so low about yourself when you're struggling with those attractions or are living in that lifestyle sometimes and so when people are harping on you their moral convictions their religious beliefs and sharing how of a how much of a disappointment or um like some people will say disgust you are to god that doesn't help like that doesn't bring you any closer <laughs> it doesn't bring god. you it any closer <laughs> makes you go even further and yeah like that is not our job as christians our our job yeah. is to share the gospel one of my like key phrases is christians tell the truth mm -hmm. we're here to tell the truth with a capital t mm -hmm. you know if you're asked Sometimes if you're not asked, if the Holy Spirit compels you to share the gospel with somebody mm. um, and then to love your neighbor. Yeah, and definitely. loving your neighbor is not telling them how, you know, dumb or gross they are. You know, that or even sharing your opinion when your opinion wasn't asked for. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. some people really, they're not asking for your opinion, you know, no. <laughs> um, and they yeah. certainly won't receive your opinion if you give it to mm -hmm. them. So. I think, yeah, that's definitely something that I've, I've battled with because I, I stand for the truth, you know? And it's so funny because I'm, I, I will say all the time, like, I'm an ex-gay, you know, like, I don't even like to use that label, but I've walked mm -hmm. away from the homosexual lifestyle. I'm really upfront about what I'm doing um, and, and on my social medias. People know, my friends know, my family members know, you know? Um, and when I go out in public and when I tell people, they're usually very understanding, and it's because I don't I don't inflict my own morality and what I think is true on other people who I know are not going to get it. You know, they're just they're not going to understand. 
um, what I do is I, I just love them. I love them with the love of Christ and I believe that the love of Christ is transformational, that they will want to one day hopefully get convicted of the things that they're not sharing in with the Lord. Um, but anyways, going back to your story, because I want to hear more about you and this book. So um, so you met this girl, you started having a relationship with her. Did you have to come out to your parents? Like I, you told me that um, someone had found out like in your family, did you have to come out? So I, I was, I was just dumb. I was really dumb, so to say. Uh, and I went home for a break and she begged and begged and begged to come along. So I was like, fine, whatever. Because I knew when I went to go visit home, like that stuff stayed at school. That stuff stayed um, in that town, in that apartment. It didn't come home with me. Wow. And this person, she was she was very manipulative. And I was also very weak-minded. And so I let her come under the guy. And I would bring my friends home from school sometimes. So... That wasn't super like uncommon for me to bring. I had a really, really close friend in college and her family lived really far away. And so she would come hang out with our family when I went home sometimes. And um, so I brought my girlfriend home and we, I had, she had come hung, hang out with my family. She had come to hang out with my family once or twice before that. And so I kind of had built that foundation that we're friends. Um, but she kissed me and my brother saw and my little brother told my mom, she oh didn't kiss goodness. me. We kissed each other. Sorry. It's not, <laughs> sometimes it's just easy to want to throw all the blame on, <laughs> yeah. on her. And so let me be honest. We kissed each other. My little brother saw and told my mom. And so my mom, she called me in a room. And there's a poem about this in Stone. And I was like, no, like he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. And I was finally like, fine. Yeah. You know what? That's what happened. And I got kicked out. It was like, it was very traumatizing event in our family. Mm. Um, and it was one of those moments where I had to choose. I had to choose, was I going to go this way um, where my family, like there are boundaries and, or am I gonna choose my family? And I didn't choose my family. And that's something I like deeply regret to this day. Mm. I chose her. And so that again, kind of created another level of codependency in our relationship um another area where she was like starting to isolate me because now i didn't have yeah people around like my nuclear family that were knowing what was going on with my life now i had even more reason to hide from them um and so then maybe like a month or two later she i went to go visit my dad um for thanksgiving um, and cause my dad still is on the East coast. I live in Texas and mm. she was like, you need to tell him, you need to tell him. And I didn't want to tell him. Um, cause I, I kind of knew how my dad would feel and he always had a lot. He held, a, he held me to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is always like not happy that I was going to a mostly girls school for college. Um, and I think he kind of just saw the patterns I was taking on in my life in high school and was kind of like, you're not like, you're not setting yourself up for success. And so when I find I, in my pride, I was so proud of her. And I was like, this is her dad. This is great. And, um, he started crying 
Hmm. I've seen my dad cry twice in my whole life. Why do you think that your family was so against you having a um, girlfriend? Do you think it had to do with the religion or the Catholicism or what? I think that. um, I know my parents definitely have a high regard for their faith, which I'm really glad for. Um, I think just kind of what like what transpired when I was a preteen and like my parents separating and stuff mm-hmm. um, like I said there was I was a good kid I had I had a full ride to school like I wasn't stupid mm-hmm. I worked super hard um, I was very motivated but I lived a double life and my parents didn't find out about that for a very long time and so I think once they saw um, what was going on in my life it was just really hard for them because that was not the kid that they knew. That was yeah. not the kid that they raised. Like like I said, they didn't raise me to like hate gay people and blah. We just didn't really talk about that. I mean, my parents didn't even teach me about sex. Like I wow. had to learn it from a book. Um, <laughs> they gave me a book and they're like, this is how it works. So they had and a so, whole idea of who you were that in reality was none of what you were actually feeling. Yeah, I think I think that's why they reacted the way they did because yeah. for them I kind of just took the rug from under their feet mm. and flipped their world upside down and they had worked so hard to try and um, encourage me to go a certain way in my life and mm. I was fighting against that so hard um, mm. so I know that that broke my dad's heart uh, I, I know now that that broke my mom's heart and just getting to understand her and her personality more like that's why she reacted so hard um, because she didn't, I don't think she had like the emotional capacity to, to try and understand or break down. I think for both of my parents, they were like, what did we do wrong? Um, and I think that was what was so hard for them. So that was tough. Um, yeah. And it was tough for me because it, it created a really big schism in my family because I made some bad, I, I, I don't want to say I made some bad choices, but I made choices that I knew my parents were not going to appreciate and that were hurting them. Uh, and I just kept going along with that. And so it took a while to heal that. But did you feel like you really genuinely loved this girl? Like you liked this girl so much, you know, you were head over heels for her. Like what was it about this girl that, um, was it was it just this girl? Was it more girls? Or, you know, like um, what was the situation going on with that, your feelings? We were going to get married. I had a promise ring and everything. We were yeah. gonna get married after we graduated. We were gonna adopt two kids, a boy and a girl. Wow! So you had everything remember. planned out. <laughs> we and that that the year that we started dating was the year they legalized gay marriage. So oh yeah, for us it was like oh this can really happen. Um, and so for her, she had this weird idealization with marriage. She had been engaged before when she was like a teenager. Um, and then she was just kind of, she's always, I remember she always said she was ready to settle down. Stuff didn't work out with her ex-girlfriend. Little did I know they were still together the entire time we were dating. And that's like a whole nother st- Yeah, it was messed up. It was, it was really messed Where up. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. And so she was telling this girl that she was going to marry her. And she was telling me that she was going to marry me. And I, we had promise rings. We were living together. We were... We got a new apartment together. I mean, like, 
I was heck, and I realized that I just had this huge um, fantasy of being married and mm-hmm. realizing that I think kind of in my life growing up, um, like incidents in my life, I was just craving affection. Yeah. Um, there, like I think in my most pivotal years, my parents were going through a separation and it was just hell on earth for them. Yeah. And uh, I had to grow up really fast. And so there were some years where I wasn't getting the attention I needed. And so, like I said, I was 17 when I went off to school and I'm emotionally vulnerable. I've been smoking pot since I was 14. So like even like developmentally, my brain was vulnerable. It was not at the social maturity age of a 17, 18 year old. I was smart as all get out, um, Mm -hmm. but I was I did not understand how the world worked. And so I was prime fresh meat to take advantage of. And this girl, I think she definitely took advantage of that. Yeah, and that's so sad. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's really interesting that you talk about that, just how when you were when when you were young and your parents were going through that divorce, how you really craved um, affirmation, how you craved love and encouragement, you know? And sometimes I, I that, <laughs> and that kind of happened to me too, because, mm-hmm we we get stuck in situations where we are not receiving that love from our parents or from our yeah. friendships or from our you know community or even um you know our bible or our, our, our bible community our churches and um and whoever gives us that one little bit of attention or that one little bit of affection um we just run after them we just yeah. we're like oh my gosh this person like sees me this person understands me and i can totally relate to that as well because that was like, I never, like the first time that I started having uh, feelings for this guy in middle school, I never thought I was like gay before that. Like people would tell me all the time, they'd be like, oh, you're so feminine. They would call me gay. I was re- I was bullied a lot when I was growing up. Um, but I never felt like I, I liked other males and I never felt like I was gay until this other guy, until this guy came along, um, this guy in middle school. And he, he was like, you're so cool. And I think you're so special. And I think like mm-hmm. all these like, you know, he's the, you're beautiful and you're handsome and you, you have all this value. And it was like for the first time somebody saw me, saw my value. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like um, this feels so good. Like, and I confused that feeling of like someone seeing something in me for like love. And I I was, which was really just like, that's lust because all that you're doing is just, you're like, you're taking someone, you're taking something from someone. Um, So you're just feeding yourself the things that you actually need, which is not a bad thing. Like we all need to be loved. We all need to be, you know, our parents need to be there for us. Our community needs to be there for us. Our friends need to be there for us. Um, But when that doesn't happen, we end up looking for it in all the wrong places. So I totally relate when it comes to that because once you get in that mindset, it's so hard to come out of that Absolutely. mindset because I accepted that the minute that I I was like, I remember asking myself in the, in the shower, I was like, I was a little boy in the shower and I was sometimes I'm like, am I gay? Like, do I have feelings for this guy? Because I never thought I was gay before, mm-hmm. but everybody said I was gay. They all said I was feminine. Um, and now I'm feeling so good when this guy tells me that I'm handsome and special and I mean something to him. I must be gay. And that's when I opened up the door and I allowed that identity to take root in me that I'm like, yeah. no, this is who I am. That I, And I came to turn terms with it and it didn't even happen overnight. 
it happened over years, you know, of yeah. being in that and trying it over and over again and being like, no, I am gay and affirming that in me and thinking, yeah, this is what I need. I need another man to see me. I need another man to recognize my value. So I totally relate where you're coming from. But how does, you know, how did you get away from this girl? And was it because of Jesus? Or did you meet Jesus later on? Like, where was, where was your faith during this time? <laughs> so I still thought I was a Christian and I was definitely naive to the faith. So I always thought that I was a Christian because I was raised Catholic and I did this and I did that and I knew this and I knew that. So that means I'm a Christian. And um, so the the gospel, I feel like, was never truly presented to me. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity to give your life and give your heart to God and to Jesus um, and to let the Holy Spirit come in. So I, with this girl, she also believed that she was a Christian because she had been baptized when she was younger and they used to go to church. So we both were like, we're fine, we're good, whatever. Like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. She um, never had any convictions of being like a lesbian and being a Christian at the same time. Who, me or her? Her. <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, I also don't think that she was a real Christian at all. Um, yeah. And so I, I had a roommate my first year um, who presented the gospel to me and the Trinity and really explained it to me. And so I would go to church with her sometimes and I enjoyed it. Like, I always liked going to church. I liked listening to the music, and I liked listening to what the pastor had to say. I always felt comfortable at church. I never felt weird going to church. Um, I know when I was a Catholic, sometimes I would get really bored. But for <laughs> me also, it was like, I felt good. Like, I'm checking stuff off of a list. So I'm completing something. This is good. And so I started going to church with her, and I really just enjoyed it. And... Um, the, the further I got into this relationship, the darker it got, the more darkness that came into my life. Um, like I'd already, already been struggling when I was a teenager. And so I brought that all into this relationship and she had a ton of baggage that she brought into the relationship. We both had mental health issues. I had no clue. I'd pretty much been struggling with anxiety my entire life. Um, and then I had started developing PTSD within this relationship. Um, she had borderline personality disorder. I mean, we were just, we were crazy. Um, wow. And yeah, we, we had a lot of issues. So I would just get to these points of despair. And the only place that I knew there would be solace would be at a church. So I would just go to church, even if it was by myself or with a friend. I was just like, just take me to church. I'll be okay. Give me an hour. I'll be good. Um, wow, that's beautiful. Weeks. You, you was, really... You found like, and that's so funny. I, I relate to you so much in that really? too. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was like, when I was in middle school, I was going through it with this mm -hmm. guy and, you know, in other oh, situations man. of my identity. And the only place, like, it was so weird. There was this, um, there's this Baptist church that I used to go to like in the middle of um, Hialeah, which is like uh, Spanish. <laughs> it's like the Spanish area of Miami. And um, I would go to this church in the corner, like nobody knew about it, a small local church and I felt so at home when I would go there yeah. and um, I felt so much peace like every Sunday and I, I it was so funny because the minute I would leave I would just be doing all this crazy stuff yeah but I would go back um, to that building on Sundays and I would feel this peace that would come over me it was like a I don't even know how to describe it, it was like rest 
Like yeah. it was it was like when you meditate or something and you just like, you know, you center um, if you're secular, you know, and you don't do prayer, it felt like that. Like I would, I would just sit there and I'd be like, wow, I'm, I'm so at rest. I'm so at peace in this yeah. little church. It's like the world was quiet. All those little voices in our head were just quiet. And I would yeah. just like zone into that cross. And I remember there are times where I'd be like, I don't know what this guy is talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't know what he was talking about, but it just sounded so right and so good. So I would go um, when I was having, you know, really hard times when we'd have really big fights, um, when I just feel like I needed rest, peace, solace, um, place to get away where people didn't really know me, they didn't know what was going on in my life. Because if you looked at me, you wouldn't think I was a lesbian. Um, Mm. I was, I'd always been super athletic. I'd always been kind of tomboyish. um, But in the the relationship, I was the femme. So Mm. I wore the lipstick and she wore the pants. Um, and so I didn't really have, I could hide behind that if I was in public, unless I was with her. So, um, there was one night, um, we would, we were on and off again a lot. So there was one night, I think we were on again and I, I just, I don't even remember what had happened, but I was just, I was at my rock bottom and I just really wanted to leave the relationship but there was so much codependence and I was afraid to do that and I had already dug myself so deep into the lifestyle that the idea of getting out was terrifying but I was just I was so broken I was such a broken person and so um I had a roommate she was so sweet so I also feel bad (laughs) because we lived together and I had two roommates and so they went through it with us and I one of them is still one of my very best friends. And I'm like, I'm never letting you go because I owe you for the rest of my life. That <laughs> like, didn't drop me like a hot potato because I was crazy. Um, and so one of my roommates would let me borrow her car and, and go to church, which was also such a random blessing um, mm-hmm. because she didn't have any reason to trust me with her car. <laughs> yeah. And so I went and I um, waited to talk to the pastor after the sermon And I just spilled everything to him because there really hadn't been many people in my life that had even known of my trauma um, before I met this girl. So she was also like my secret keeper. And I think that was where another piece of manipulation came in. Yeah. And so I just alluded to him. Chain in the relationship that keeps you stuck there. It's trauma bonding is the technical term. Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing until like a few months ago. Um, and we are definitely trauma bonded. So I I told her what had happened or told him what had happened. And, uh, and he pulled aside this uh, woman at the church. In my book, I call her Angelique. Because to me, she I just remember seeing her and she just had like a glow. I was like, mm. there is something special about this person. And um, she was just, man, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, the right place at the right time. Like that moment was just so ordained. And it's just drilled into my mind. And he said, just talk to her. I think you guys should meet up. Um, cause I think it would be better if you had a woman to talk to about this stuff too. 
so I told her everything. And for me, this was really hard because I had not, I didn't tell anybody really what went on behind closed doors in our relationship. Nobody knew. Um, there was a lot of abuse in our relationship. Nobody knew. And I just happened, I just felt like I could tell these people that. Um, and so she, you know, we met for coffee. She mentored me and I was still living as a lesbian. Um, but she would let me come over and have dinner with her family. She would um, meet my ex-girlfriend and I for coffee. Um, and so I went <clears throat> I went for coffee one day with Angelique. And my girlfriend, was, she was, uh, we were attached at the hip. And some mm. of it was um, like she just didn't want me to be alone with other people. A lot of controlling. Um, and then some of it was just like she didn't know how to be alone too. So mm-hmm. uh, we, went, we went to this coffee shop and Angelique again presented the gospel and asked if we believed in Jesus after this long conversation. And we both said yes. Um, and But something inside of me just clicked. And I was like, this, this, there's something about this and I want this, but I want her. And it was just super conflicting. But that was kind of the first moment where I was like, I, this is making sense. And this Jesus guy, he sounds really intriguing. And I want what you have. Like, I want your joy and I want your spirit. Like, how do I get that? So it took yeah another like six, nine months for me to, to really accept the Lord in my heart. It was probably seven months. Um, but that was the moment that I was finally really intrigued in what the Lord had to offer. Because mm, you saw somebody else who had this peace, who had this kindness, who had something that you just didn't have and that's so funny how sometimes that can be communicated like i have it's i've had the weirdest encounters (laughs) and i thank god for them i really do like one time i was lifting at the gym and um i was just doing my deadlifts and this guy comes up to me and he just starts literally spilling his life out like on me like he's like he was like oh i just like i just felt like i needed to come over here and like talk to you and like he just starts telling me about his childhood about his his mom like how his mom like passed passed away and like i think i'm like i'm like deadlifting i'm like what is going on right now holy spirit so i'm like um he starts speaking all these things and he he just trusted me he saw something in me he saw that i had i had peace i had like you know we jesus calls us the light of the world and the salt of the earth and when you really walk in with Christ, people can recognize that because they're living in darkness. So they're living in a place where they have anxiety, depression, you know, addictions. Um, they're needing um, affection or love. You know, they're in need of things. And then they see us and they see us and our behavior. And they're like, you don't act like me. You have something yeah. that, that I don't have. And I don't have that peace. I don't have that rest. I don't have that comfort. I don't have that... Um, knowledge that everything is going to be okay that um, God is going to take care of me so um so that propelled you into moving in to a new stage with the Lord so then you said it took you like six nine months to like finally say yes to God um when did you start writing your book and when did you even meet your husband and have kids like (laughs) how did how did you get out of that relationship oh man so Oh, I'm trying to think. I don't want to give my book away. I'm just kidding. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I didn't say in the relationship. Um, <clears throat> oh man, I'm trying to like grasp all those memories and pieces. So, first question: I started writing my book um, about a year after we got married. 
So six months into getting married, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, I was having just episodes where I just couldn't get out of bed. I would just be in these really funky moods that I couldn't break. And I would just like cry out of nowhere. And um, I was always super jumpy. I'm still super jumpy. Um, and so, you know, I, we're newlyweds. I'd be cooking and my husband would come just like put his arms around me and I would like elbow him like in the face and he would be like, oh my gosh, what oh did I, do? <laughs> I, I You couldn't, you know, sneak up on me. Um, certain smells triggered me, certain noises and, and songs triggered me. And there was a point where I was like, I am, there is something wrong. I don't understand what's wrong. And um, I think maybe I was searching online. Uh, I don't even remember, but I was like, I wonder if I have post-traumatic stress disorder because some of these things really line up with the things I feel. And so um, we met with a counselor and they diagnosed me with it and with general anxiety and with depression. Um, And so for me, writing had always been my place where I could share my emotions. I had... I have stacks of journals. As soon as I learned how to write when I was seven, I started journaling. So um, throughout this whole relationship, all college, I journaled, I wrote, I wrote poems because I had all these like emotions. And like, again, I wasn't telling anybody what's going on in my life. And I didn't know God, so I wasn't praying. I didn't have anybody to talk to. So I was just writing all this stuff and like trying to get rid of all these emotions and baggage. And um, so... Once I was diagnosed with PTSD, I started writing again because uh, that was really, um, like, relieving to me. And then I was like, I always wanted to write a book. I'd always wanted to be a, an author. Um, it was, like, just a super far-fetched dream. I really didn't think it was going to happen. And then, uh, what year is this? 2021. So, 2019... <laughs> I really started getting serious about it and I just felt that like God just put it on my heart that like you're going to write a book. And I was like, how? I just had a baby. Um I don't ha- I don't, I was in writer's block for 5 years. I don't ha- I don't have anything to write about. And I just started writing one day and I wrote my book in about 6 months. I uh, don't know how. Hmm. I literally just attribute it to the Lord. Like just supernatural energy, supernatural creativity. Um, for me, it was also really scary because sometimes if I was trying to go back to those memories, it was very triggering for me. So um, kind of like I'm doing today, my husband would take our kids and go play with them outside or go visit you know, his parents. And I would blast worship music and I would just start writing and typing because um, I was really afraid to dip back into those memories because I, yeah, there was just so much like demonic activity and darkness that for me to go back there, I felt like I was going to reattach that dark spirits to me. But I know now and I knew then that when you are the Lord's, you are the Lord's, you are locked in, um, like you can't let those things attach to you anymore when you have the Holy Spirit living in you. So, um, but it was just so much fear. And so I just started writing and I wrote it in about six months and then I published it. I fundraised for it. Um, and so then that, to answer your second question, Mm -hmm. I, my girlfriend and I broke up. Well, I broke up with her. We dated for like eight or nine months. Um, and I had been meeting with Angelique. I had been going to this church. 
I was really interested. I had gone to Europe on a, on a um, class trip and God really met me there. And I realized that no matter where I went, my problems were always going to follow because I felt like, okay, I'm going to Europe. Um, this is the trip of a lifetime. She cannot ruin this. And if I'm, I mean, I'm an ocean and a half away from her. And I was still miserable and mm. she was still being an awful person to me. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, and I don't want this anymore. And so I came back home and I learned that she had been cheating on me the whole time we were gone. And maybe a couple of weeks later, I was like, I'm done. I just, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want this anymore. Um, and it was really hard. Uh, and then I, I confessed to a close cousin of mine just, and like this ex-girlfriends, her, her close friends that had spent a lot of time with me. Um, I asked them if, to come to dinner with me one night and I just like spilled the beans. I told them everything that had been happening and they had like their jaws on the table, had to lift them back in their mouths because nobody knew all the stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, all the abuse, all the trauma. It was just, it was crazy. I ended up, um, I was going to put charges against her, but we were so young that I did, I changed my mind because I didn't want to like ruin her life essentially. Um, yeah. by having like misdemeanors or whatever on her. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I went to the police, like, uh, everything I changed my number. It was crazy. And she stalked me for a really long time. And then I finally got, it was wild. It was a wild time. And you were able to do that, like, obviously with the strength of God, like God was a huge process in that. Yeah, I think him and also still my own strength, um, because it was, it was February, I think when we broke up and then I was like fully saved. It was sometime, it was like sometime in the summer, that summer, like July, um, where I had been going to church and it was kind of just like my life, um, on repeat where I was like, okay, I'm checking the boxes. I was reading the Bible. I had Bible plans and challenges and I was trying to understand. Um, and it, it really wasn't clicking. I was going to a small group. I was doing campus ministry. Uh, I was really trying to make sense and understand. And then, um, it was in July that the Lord fully captured my heart and I completely, gave my life to him and the Holy Spirit entered me and it's been, you know, crazy awesome journey since then. Um, and then kind of another similarity like you, I know you've said that, um, you feel like you're going to be like a eunuch and not like marry or have relationships. And that's how I felt. I was like, I'm, I dated, um, well, sometimes, sometimes I feel that way. Not all the time, you know, like I I definitely (laughs) believe that I, I will get married one day and there, oh, there's yeah. going to be a wife that's going to come around. Like I, I have, I have hopes for anything in Christ. Like for God, anything is possible. So I never know what he's going to do with my life. Um, but I am content being single. So yeah. that's why I always say, I'm like, oh, if I, if I'm a eunuch for the rest of my life, I would not care. Like I'm totally yeah. like right now I'm great. Like God is enough for me every single day. But, yes. um, if a wife comes along, heck yeah. And it's been prophesied. So who knows, you know, if that prophecy is going to come true. I, I believe it can, you know, yeah. and that would be awesome to have a wife. But um, like I said, it doesn't matter to me whether I do or whether I don't, 
because yeah. what matters to me is his love and that's Absolutely. the most important thing so yes and that's <laughs> so I definitely relate in that way I was listening to your your YouTube and podcast about that like that episode and I was like I didn't think I was going to get married I one I felt like I was kind of like tarnished goods um, but mm. two I just didn't feel that desire anymore like I had always had that desire of like wanting to be loved and wanting to get married and having this fairy tale and I was trying to learn how to date. I knew that I didn't really need to date for a really long time. Um, there was one guy who was like, he thought he was a Christian. Um, and this was kind of before I was saved. And so that lasted like a month. <laughs> and then I was like, eh, I don't really like you. And then there was um, one guy after I was saved um, who was a Christian. Um, and he just had just a lot of issues going on, a lot of baggage. And I was like, and then he stood me up and ghosted me. So it worked out just fine. And I was like, I'm just going to be single. Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's one less thing to worry about. And I just never thought I was going to get married. But I was okay with that. Like, I wasn't bothering me. And I liked being single. It, I mean, after all I'd gone through and having this new relationship with God, there was so much to learn. And I felt like, I still feel like I'm so behind. Um, and so I was not thinking about boys for the first time in my life. And then, as life would have it, I met my husband that year. I went back. I had moved back home for the summer after I broke up with my girlfriend. Um, I moved back home with my mom. And it was so funny. I mean, the Lord, he took everything out of my life to get me where he needed me to give my life to him. So yeah. um, he does I was that. living on my own. <laughs> oh, yeah. My car got stolen. I couldn't go to my work. So He'll I do that. Be... He'll break you down, just put you in the perfect <laughs> position to make yeah. sure that you you realize, okay, I'm nothing without, like Jesus. Literally. Like, I'm nothing without Christ. <laughs> I sobered up everything. And I moved back home with my mom. And, like, my mom and I had not been on good terms for, like, a year. So it was just divine intervention. Um, and so I went back to school. I moved back out. I got my life together. And, um, I had these, I had this one guy that was in almost all of my classes and he'd been on that university campus for, um, at least a year. And I had been on there for like two years and our paths had never crossed. And then I went back and I realized there are pictures of us on the, like the school website and we were in the same pictures. Like I would, he would be in the background. It was like a campus party and I was a lifeguard. And so I was like we were having this pool party, a campus pool party, and there was a picture of the lifeguards, and then you see him dancing in the background. And so it was just like <laughs> this whole time, like our paths had literally been going like this, but we never interacted. We went to the same church, like the, the church I would go visit, he was a member at, or he went to wow. too, and we had never even heard of each other. And then we had all these classes together. We were paired, paired up in one of them. And then we started a study group together and um, like we were working in a group in one of these other classes. And so like we would go, he would come to the study group like a little earlier and a little earlier. And it would meet at my house. And so after a while, and I thought that he was dating somebody else too. So I wasn't even like interested or I didn't even think he was available. Um, and then I was like, I think he likes me. And my new roommates were like, are you dumb? <laughs> like, yeah, he likes you. And it took me a while to like come around because I just love being friends with him. Like he was just, just such a fun friend to have. And I wasn't worried about it. And so it was a very natural 
like occurrence. Um, and I knew there was a lot on the line if we did start dating. So I wanted to be super careful, like and intentional with his heart, because especially after I broke up with my girlfriend, like I kind of used people, um, girls and guys, like until I was fully saved. And so I had learned and was super convicted that like brothers in Christ are the Lord's. And yeah. just like he needs to cherish my heart, I need to cherish his. So I wasn't going to jack around with this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I knew that he had a wife waiting for him if that was the Lord's will. And I wasn't going to get in the way with that. Um, so we dated for seven months and he proposed. And so I was that wife. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't <laughs> get in the way of myself. Um, you definitely did. <laughs> and and that's really we got married seven months later. That's crazy. And then now you have kids. You know, you got the yeah. whole family thing. You've written a book. And that's amazing. What would you say to people um, who said you're not really truly a lesbian like you were you were just confused or like you don't you don't know what we actually feel because you're not actually like a lesbian you you like you like guys like what would you say to those types of people um I would say that unless you've experienced it yourself you probably do not know what you're talking about <laughs> um and like even if you do have somebody in your life who does live that lifestyle every story is different um mm-hmm. Every person's trauma is different. Every person's background is different. Even to the type of girls that they like or don't like. Um, and I mean, I only dated this girl, but there were other girls that I interacted with in a like in a, a lesbian manner. Um, and so I remember, at, and that, that was something I was super ashamed to say for a really long time. And and so when people would tell me that, I was like, it wasn't just her, like. <laughs> Uh, this is really I don't like saying this but there's no there's no rhyme or reason if I did if I wasn't a lesbian that I would have acted on those things um because it's not really something that people do just because they feel like it I mean unless there's some other like psychological kind of risks going on um but also just that I gave up everything in my life to be with this person yeah even my own parents um yeah. And and there's now nobody <laughs> other than Jesus that I would do that for. Um and so I put this person in a very very high dangerous position in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't gay, like that would make no sense. Um yeah. and so I just let people, you know, if that's what you want to think, whatever. I lived it. It's my brain, it's my life. I think yeah. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I love it because the world is so funny like they say, you know, sexuality is a spectrum. Like, if you're straight, you can be gay. You know, like, it, it, it's it's so funny. When you're living that world, it's it's so hypocritical because it's just like, oh, if you want to be gay, you should be gay. You know, if you're feeling, like, feelings for another person who is having its same sex or whatever, um, then you should go after that. Like, sexuality is a spectrum. Like, feel comfortable exploring, doing these types of things. But then the minute you're like, actually... I feel like I no longer want to be in a same-sex attraction. I feel like I want to go back to what I feel like the Lord is calling me to do. Um, it's like, oh, sexuality is no longer a, a spectrum. Like, it's no longer flexible. It's like, oh, then you're not really gay. Yeah. Or you are gay or just like, you know, you're making up excuses or all these different things. Like, it, it becomes so hypocritical. It's like, yeah. you start to see that people aren't as open-minded as they appear to be. 
because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, well, if you really tru- truly believe that everyone is entitled to their own sexuality, even if they go back, you know, if, if someone like, for example, like me, if I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gay, and then I'm like, oh, you know what, like, I'm, I'm, I no longer want to uh, identify as gay, I want to identify as the Lord's, and I believe that that is an identification, and I can be that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if people can identify, like, a hundred different genders, I can identify that I am the Lord's, yeah. you know, and I am a child yeah. of God and there should be nothing, but people have a problem with me saying that, but they don't have a problem with the hundred different genders. People yeah. have a problem with me saying that I would like to stay abstinent. And even though I have same sex attraction, same sex attraction, that it doesn't define me, they have a problem with that, but mm-hmm. they don't have a problem when a sexuality is a spectrum and you yeah. can do, do or say or be whatever you want to be. And it's, it becomes so hypocritical. It's like, okay, why can't you accept the fact that I no longer want to be in same-sex attraction, but you 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 will accept me if I want to be whatever else that I want to be. If I want to be a puppy, I can be a puppy. There are like gay yeah. pups, you know? There's like all types of things in the gay world. Yeah. <laughs> but you won't accept me. And nobody judges those things. And I wouldn't judge those things. But you won't accept me when I want to be part of the Lord. It just becomes so crazy. But Yeah. And I got a lot of backlash when I first gave up that lifestyle and changed people I got that I was fake a fake Christian and then I got that I was a fake lesbian and I was like well which one is it you know like you can't have it both ways but I and mean, that also, sucks like, you're, it's cra- it was so crazy and um so yeah I think like you're saying when you when you're not of the Lord like you have a completely different worldview and completely different perspective and your own religion and that religion is everything that's not God so yeah, you can have a hundred different genders and sexualities and this and that. And it makes sense because that is like the atheistic or agnostic worldview. If you're living a life apart from God, then everything that's rooted in him is get, like, you're not going to follow it. You have no reason to. So that was something that I was like, okay, you know what? People aren't going to understand this. Some of my friends that are, you know, are gay, I'm still friends with. And um, one of them has been like, literally my lifelong friend and we came out to each other when we were in college um and and she's still somebody that like I love you like we've known each other since we were two like you're not going anywhere in my life and and we know that about each other and I she knows that I love her for who she is and I'm always going to be there for her and but then there were some people that were like uh, you know what bump you and I'm like I can't help that you know it sucked it really sucked because I those are my people. Like when you're living in that lifestyle, you have your bonus family. Um, yeah. and, and so like I lost my family again mm-hmm. and I had to learn how to find this new family. Again. And so yeah. it was super complicated. It was wild. But the yeah. real friends, you know, the real people who really love you and care for you, they don't care about those types of things. No. Like I have friends who are gay as well and they respect my journey and they love everything that I'm going through and they see that I'm healthier, happier. They may not understand, they may not even agree, but they care for me and they love me. And I, to them, like I don't agree and I don't, well I do understand, but I just don't agree. Um, And I would never judge them like based on that types of things. So anyways, thank you so much uh, Kiri for coming on this uh, podcast and just for sharing your story. And guys, if you haven't picked up her book, I really do suggest picking up her book, especially if you're into poetry. Um, are there like haikus in this? Is that what that's called? Haikus? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like despite being like a, a, a literature student, oh, I'm so no. bad when it comes to poetry. It's fine. 
I write free form, but there are free also form. prose pieces in there. So there are some that are paragraphs that are like a story. So there, it's very easy to follow along with. If you've never read poetry, you will definitely be able to understand this. It's not so out there. It's written like a story, just in a completely different form. It's very spoken, like it's like spoken word. You know, yeah. that's what I feel like. I could see myself like sitting in a nightclub and like someone on stage, like saying this on a microphone with like a jazzy yeah. voice. <laughs> it's so, fun. I do do some spoken word. Yeah. So guys, go pick up her book and um, especially if you're interested in her and her, in her story. But thank you once again for joining the podcast. And um, guys, um, I'm so glad that you listened and you stayed with us through this. Um, let me know what you think about Kiri's story and type it in the comments or if you're listening to this if you're watching this on youtube or on spotify or podcast i hope that um it has educated you you've gotten a, a different perspective maybe um bisexuality and lesbianism that you didn't know before um and we're all learning to help to uh, basically understand other people's perceptions and um experiences in their life and and yeah and i think one one definitely one thing to walk away with um in kiri's story is just that for the Lord, you know, he can take anything that has trauma or abuse or manipulation or control and it's not too hard for him to overcome, you know, it really isn't. It's something that he can take and he can make and he can heal and I'm sh look at your life now. I'm sure it's not perfect, but I'm sure you've grown. Yeah, and perfect, but it's <laughs> a lot different than who I used to be, that's for sure. Yeah, healthier, or happier, you know, I bet. So thank you guys once again, listening to the podcast and we will see you next week. Yeah.